Welcome to our service tonight. If you would stand, we'll open in a word of prayer. Vincent, would you pray for us, please? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the conference we've had so far, the blessings that you have given us, for our church that meets at Thank you. Join us in singing hymn number 385. Go to the Somehow we've been blinded 
what he's calling us to do right here. Could it be that heaven's always planned it, that we leave here empty-handed when this life disappears? But is it really living if my one ambition is simply hanging on till we all get out of here? I don't want to waste a breath, one heartbeat in this chest. I want to see his kingdom coming. I won't wish my life away. I want to live each day to give away what I've been given. I don't want to leave here with regret. I want to leave with nothing left. When I think of all that I've been given and what I've learned from living, I know exactly what I need to do. So I pray that God will give me chances to show how great his grace is by living out his truth. If somehow I could choose it, I'd be the one God uses to make a difference in what forever means to you. I don't want to waste a breath, one heartbeat in this chest. I want to see his kingdom coming. I won't wish my life away. I want to live each day to give away what I've been given. I don't want to leave here with regret. I want to leave with nothing left. I want to be alive, lend a hand, speak the truth to a dying I don't want to waste a breath, one heartbeat in this chest. I want to see his kingdom coming. I won't wish my life away. I want to live each day to give away what I've been given. I don't want to leave here with regret. I don't want to live here with regret. I want to leave with nothing left. Leave with nothing left. Uh, it's good to be back for another night of missions conference. Amen. Hard to believe it's Friday. My goodness, it just goes that quick. And uh, so here we are. We've got uh, the Grits. Brother Grits is going to come and uh, share with us his video. 
Mrs. Gritz is right over here. Thankful that she is with us because he behaves that way. Well, kind of. But uh, we, it is always good to have the Gritz with us. We've supported them for years. Love and appreciate their ministry. God bless you, Matt. Well, good evening to you. Glad you're here tonight. Uh, I, I would be doing this just to the preacher if you weren't here. So, and, uh, so thank you for coming and making the effort of being here in, in this service tonight. This is our furlough where we came in in May of uh, 2023, and uh, we got in on May the 9th, and then I think it was about, uh, we spent the first week in Virginia with our, uh, our daughter Sally and her, her uh, husband and their, our granddaughter Lucy, and uh, I was incognito because nobody knows me in Virginia. And so we were able to just to adjust and get started and came, uh, came back up to Missouri, uh, went to our grandson's graduation, and uh, just started uh, some things that we've always been wanting to do. One of the things that you find out when you serve God, you give your life, you give everything to God, he gives back to you. Now, he doesn't give back to you in, in ways that we think we want to be given back. He gives back things that we can enjoy. And one of the things we wanted to do when we came back this time, we wanted to be grandma and grandpa. We have 16 grandchildren. And uh, uh, being on the field as long as we have, a lot of times we haven't been able to be around our grandchildren. And just to be the grandma and grandpa that, that, uh, that we want to be. And as we came back, we were, were able to do things with them that, that we have been able to do as grandparents. Uh, we are uh, going to see them, uh, going out together, going out for a meal, going shopping, going to their school activities as grandma and grandpa, going to their opening days at school and just sitting and talking and watching, also going to church with them. I just praise the Lord, and it's God that gets the honor and glory for this, that all my grandchildren at this moment of time know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And uh, on, uh, on Palm Sunday, I get to baptize my youngest grandson who, who just come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior not long ago. Those are just things that God allows us to do. God always says, listen, you sacrifice for me, I will make sure you get to do those things. You will be blessed and it is a blessing to serve a Lord and Savior like we have. And it's just being faithful, just staying there, just keeping on, just doing the work that God's called you to do. Being faithful to him, he will be faithful to you. And it, and this, it says, do not be weary in well-doing, but in due season we will reap. It's when he allows it, he will bring it by, and it's exciting. It's exciting when we see the harvest come in, and we see things happening that we thought we'd never see before. We got into the field in 1983 is when we landed in Gatwick Airport, had all those five children. Uh, they were sitting there in a row. We was waiting to go in through passport control. And I looked down there and I saw those little faces. They were wondering what in the world's going on too. I'd taken away from their grandmas. I'd taken away from their great grandmas and grandpas. I'd taken away from their aunts and uncles. I'd taken away from their cousins. I took them away from everything they knew. 
I said, what am I going to do? Because we didn't buy round tickets. Only bought one way. But it's been a blessing to watch my children enjoy the ministry, enjoy getting involved with God's work, doing the things that we have been able to do as we just stay faithful to him. And it's interesting how your children will take care of you, even in the ministry. You, you enjoy them, they'll enjoy you. I've gone to football matches. I've gone to uh, other activities that they've had. Uh, we've gotten involved with the schools. Uh, our children went to English schools. They were all educated in the English school system. And uh, I, I was involved. I taught basketball uh, in the middle school. Uh, I also did their religious assemblies. I did that for 30 years, uh, going into schools and, and taking the Bible and, and using a lot of Patch the Pirate songs, teaching those boys and girls those songs and just teaching them things of, of God. I couldn't give a public invitation, but I did everything I could. Now I have, uh, I have young adults come up to me and they'll say, are you Reverend Gritz? I say, yes, I am. You came to my school. I wasn't a believer then, Reverend Gritz, but now I'm a born-again believer. Another one will come up, Brother Gritz, and he said, are you Reverend Gritz? Yes, you came to my school. And I want to tell you, I appreciate what you did of telling those stories, singing those songs, because you made my day. Miss uh, Mary Herman she comes to England. She teaches in our Bible college, and she needed to go to the dentist. So we found a dentist. She went to the dentist, and as she was uh, there in, in the chair, the dentist started talking to her. Oh, you're American, yes. Well, what brings you here? Well, I have some friends that are here in America, and uh, uh, and uh, uh, you know they're missionaries here. They're they're starting. A, they started a Baptist church. Oh, who is that? It's uh, it's uh, Tom Gritz. Oh, you mean Reverend Gritz? He came to my school. And you know what he started doing? He started singing those Sunday school songs we taught. Miss Herman. That's what it takes. Just getting involved, getting in there with those people, where they're at, loving them. I've always told people, and the, Lord, the Lord's uh, put it on our hearts, that we minister to anybody that God brings our way. We're not targeting certain people. We're targeting people. Whoever comes, we minister to them. That's who God gave to us. Well, I'm going to show you the, uh, uh, the video. It's only three minutes. It's not as long as these guys. These guys, they got money. <laughs> well, they got money, you know. We have to do our own. You know, we got stick figures. And, no, no, it's not that bad. <laughs> but I'm going to show you our, our, uh, our video. Go, go right ahead. Hello. We are Tom and Gail Gritz, your missionaries in England since 1983. We have spent these last 40 years in Wolverhampton, a city of over a quarter of a million in the heart of England. Wolverhampton is located approximately 140 miles northwest of London, and it is home to the Wolves, 
a premier football team, or as you would call it, soccer. On the north side of the city now stands Temple Baptist Church. They organized and purchased this building in 1993, and now Temple is a multicultural church with Brazilians, Portuguese, Guatemalans, Africans, and Asians, along with a couple of Texans. So much has happened in that amount of time. People have been saved, trained to serve, and the church is going from strength to strength. Let us catch you up on where we are in our ministry today. This past March, we turned the leadership of Temple Baptist over to Pastor Paul Williams, a young man saved and trained under our leadership. This is our first church plant to take on British leadership. New Life Baptist Church in Telford began as a church plant out of Temple in 2014 under the direction of missionary T.J. Gritz. And in July 2022, they organized as an independent church under the direction of missionary Kevin Pine. And this year, Kingsmead also ordained and called their first British pastor, Brother Chris Pierce. For the past 15 years, God has used us to facilitate visas for independent Baptist missionaries. We have sponsored in over 60 different families since 2008, some of them you might know. And through this ministry, we have seen over 25 new churches planted, existing churches revived, and hundreds of souls saved. So where does that leave us now? We are still directing Baptist Bible College, where it is our privilege to train British nationals to do the work of the ministry and to follow the call of God in their lives. And when we return, we are ready to start another church plant with this young couple, Jamie and Lauren Hochelong. So God has more for us to do. We appreciate your faithfulness in walking with us all these years. Please pray for us as we travel during furlough and pray that God ushers us back to serve Him many more years in England. Gobstoppers, you would call them job, jawbreakers. Uh, they call them gobstoppers because they put it in your mouth and it stops you from speaking. <laughs> gobstoppers. Yeah. Say language-wise, just, just let me expand on that. Language-wise, uh, in England, uh, it is, if you're from the south, you may pronounce it ball. If you're from the north, you may pronounce it bat. Depends upon where you're from and, and the different areas of the country that you're from. Uh, that uh, the way that they would uh, pronounce the English. For instance, uh, on there it says Wolverhampton. But, but in our area, most of the time, they drop their H's. So we pronounce Wolverhampton. And it's not Birmingham, it's Birmingham. Because they would drop the H. 
so that your name may be Helen, but they may call you Ella. Uh, that's, just, that's just the way that, you know, the way, way it is. And uh, so it's just in different areas, even just down the road, it may be different. With the way uh, the way we pronounce it. For instance, I, I love this. Uh, there's three ways of pronouncing one word. Uh, there's omega, omega, and omega. And either way is right. <laughs> say this, if there's no questions, that means God has touched your heart so, and you're informed enough that you're ready to go to England with us. <laughs> so on the 21st of, of May, we'll be flying out. Meet us in Washington, D.C. And so get your flight from there and go with us to Thank you for that. Bless you. All right. We're going to have a song and uh, we'll proceed. But stand once again, we'll sing hymn number 375, Work for the Night is Coming, hymn number 375. Good to have Brother Scuffum with us. Brother Larry, um, pastors, of course, uh, First Baptist in Mission. Uh, they used our facility for a little bit after they had uh, suffered the fire loss, and so it's always good to have him. And uh, uh, Brother Larry's wife, Judy, and I went to grade school and junior high and part of high school together, so that's kind of a unique thing uh, and to appreciate their ministry. And uh, then you'll remember Joel and Valerie Scuffham. They were with us last year in our missions conference. And God has truly blessed them. They're at 90%. And they're expecting another baby. 
So how exciting that is. Uh, I know that uh, the baby will be delivered and then hopefully by the end of the year they'll be off and going to Cambodia. So please be praying for them. Um, Brother Joel just had a little bit of surgery to, today or yesterday and it's Monday. And so pray for him. He'll get all healed up and you know, he can still finish out on the road and things like that. All right, we have got some kids that are going to sing for us. When they are done, Brother Sandel is going to come, introduce your mom, brother, and then preach. cross where my Savior died. Down where for cleansing from sin I cry. His righteous blood was to me applied. I am not the same. I am not the same. Jesus cleared my name when he gave all and was crucified. I am not the same. Jesus left heaven to come to earth, came so that sinners can have new birth. Tell hills you know just what that's worth. Glorify his name, it is to our shame. If we don't proclaim, Jesus gave all and was crucified. Glorify his name. Oh, this salvation is rich and sweet. Share it with all of those you meet. Offering our voice, our hands, our feet. Glorify his name. Glorify his name. God's word, let's proclaim. Jesus gave all and was crucified. Glorify his name. If we are wondrously saved from sin, but the good news we hide within, Christ's gift is hidden to lost men. So glorify his name. Praise the Lord. Thankful to be here this evening. And as uh, Pastor Metzinger uh, mentioned, my mom is also here. She's able to come and join us. My, my mom over here, Marie, helping Nathan there. And so I'm thankful that uh, we have a lot of people out uh, supporting us tonight. And I was very, uh, very thankful for all the things that God is doing. And um, you know, just looking forward to seeing what he has in store for us as we continue down uh, the deputation trail, and uh, it's been an exciting journey already. And uh, right, let's go ahead, let's open up our Bibles uh, this evening. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 13. Uh, you know, it was uh, 
mentioned last night, and then also there's kind of in some other conversations I had talking about you know missionaries having a kind of a, a handful of messages that kind of are preaching through over and over. And, um, and I was praying about what to preach tonight, and I do have you know kind of a handful of messages I've been kind of going through, and uh, this one in particular I feel like I've preached it more than some of the others. Uh, but I was praying about what God would have for tonight. I just felt like this is what he wanted, so this is where we're going to be. And so we're here in Matthew chapter 13. Uh, this is going to be, we're looking at the, the parable of the sower. Many of us will probably be very familiar with this text. Uh, but if, if you're there with me in Matthew 13, would you stand if you're able as we read the word of God uh, this evening. Starting at verse number one. It says, the same day went Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside. And great multitudes were gathered together unto him, so that he went into a ship and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places, where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up, because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some an hundredfold, some sixty, some thirtyfold. Uh, who hath ears to hear, let him hear. And then you drop down to verse number 18, and Christ explains this parable for us. It says, Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom, and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one, and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which received seed by the wayside. But he that received the seed into stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it. Yet hath he not root in himself, but dureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. He also that received seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word, and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. But he that received seed into good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some an hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you tonight, Lord, and I just want to thank you uh, for bringing us together to hear from your word, O oh God. I pray that you would use it to speak to hearts in a special way that only you can, O oh Lord, and that you would just give me uh, the words to speak that you would have said tonight, and God, that you'd be glorified in all of it. We pray in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. And, you know, when, I, when I'm praying, and we're getting ready to preach, I always pray that, you know, God would just speak through his word, and, you know, Sometimes he does it in ways I don't fully understand. I preached a message uh, a little while back, and then after the service, guy came up to me and told me about how much he really appreciated the way that I tied this text in with this text over here and worked them together. And I was like, I didn't do that. I didn't even mention the other text that he heard. So like, I don't know. God was speaking to him about something. You know, praise the Lord. And so. Uh, and then also, I was looking at this pulpit. Usually when I'm, I'm preaching, I, I tend to walk from one side of the pulpit to the other, and I was like, I am going to get my steps in tonight. <laughs> All right? All right. But uh, with this parable here, uh, you know, Jesus is 
got a, a lesson he's trying to teach his disciples and all the people that he was uh, saying this to. But then when he was with the disciples, he gives an explanation of what he's talking about with now, you know, he's saying, you know, there's this guy, he's going out, he's sowing, he's planting these seeds, and they're falling into these different types of ground, and then it's having these different results. And so, I want to start kind of looking at the explanation that Jesus gives of this parable. In verse 18, he says, Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower, is when anyone heareth the word of the kingdom, and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one, and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which received seed by the wayside. So from this verse, we see that he's saying the seed that was being sown was the word of the kingdom. Uh, if you look in the other gospels, sometimes referred to as uh, the word of God, or sometimes it says the word. That is the seed that is being sown here by this sower. And then when it uh, is received into the, the ground or into the hearts of men, depending on the condition of their heart at the time, it, it takes different effect. In this first one, they're saying, it says, uh, when one heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. There's, there's no growth. There's nothing that's happening here. You know, we think of going out and sharing the gospel and someone just doesn't, have, doesn't understand it. They don't care. You know, that person's lost. We understand that. There, there's no growth, nothing happening there. And so we see this being a picture of someone who's lost, and that's just where they're at. Um, but you know they still need someone that's going to be continuing to sow that seed, and hopefully that ground will uh, get broken up over time. Yeah. And then verse 20, it says, But he that received the seed into stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it, yet hath he not root in himself, but dureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. So he was offended. He turns away from it. Uh, because, you know, he was trying to follow the word, and then, then things got hard, and it, just, it wasn't for him anymore. And so, in, in this particular parable, you know, we have the four different types of soil. Uh, the wayside, you know, pretty much agreement everywhere. That's describing a lost person. At the end of the parable, we have the good ground, and they're becoming fruitful. They're pretty much, you know, unanimous agreement that someone who's saved and growing in the Lord. With these two in the middle... You get all kinds of different uh, opinions on you know, which one's saved, which one's not, or are they both saved, or neither saved. They, they come into all kinds of different places. When I'm looking through this, I see uh, this person here, it says, you know, they, they, they're hearing the word, they're, they're trying to act like it, but there's no root in their heart. It's not, it's not getting into their heart. And so I see this as being someone who is kind of playing the part. They, let me sit, they might be coming to church, but they don't have the word of God taking root in their heart, and they're still lost, but they're, they're playing the part, but then when it gets hard, they just kind of turn away. Then you go on to the next one, and go into verse 22. And it says, He also that received seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word, and the care of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. So this person received the word, they were on their way to being fruitful. They were growing. But then all these cares of the world came into their life, and they choked that out. And so I see this as the one who gets saved, and then they start to grow, and then all these other things come in, and they just choke that out, and they get pulled away. So this is the saved person who starts to live like the world. And uh, when I think about this, I used to, uh, 
after Bible college, I went down and worked at a church in Alabama, and I was over the youth there, and, you know, we'd take the youth to camp and things like that, and I feel like a lot of times you see this in the youth group, you know, take kids to camp, kids might get saved, or, you know, different times they get saved, and then, you know, you come back home, and a lot of times it's, it's their home situation that starts to choke some of that out, and uh, it, it's a hard time when you see that taking place. And so that's what I see here in this one. And then, you know, you get to the verse 23 there. But he that receives seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it. Uh, it says, uh, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some a hundredfold, some sixty and some thirty. So even among those that get saved and they're growing in the Lord and they're becoming fruitful, you know, there's going to be different levels of fruitfulness among, among the people. And it's all according to how the Word of God is working within their heart. And so as I was reading over this and studying over this uh, parable here that Jesus was trying to teach, and you know, we see he's talking about the seed and uh, how it's working in the hearts, and the, you know, the hearts are like the soil. And then it kind of, this question popped into my mind. is like, as Jesus is explaining all these things, he's talking about you know, the seed, and he's talking about the soil. And as I asked the question, well, why do we call this the parable of the sower? So then I looked back and I was like, oh, because that's what Jesus called it. Jesus says this is the parable of the sower. So then I went back and I was like, okay, well, what is Christ telling us about the sower? And so I read through all of that explanation again, and I didn't find the sower in it. I thought that was a little odd. So why is he saying it's the parable of the sower when he's not explaining anything about the sower? Um... In, if you read it in Mark, he does actually say something about the sower. There's one line in there that says, the sower soweth the seed. Okay, that's a very important part then, the sower soweth the seed. So then I went back to the first part of when he's telling the parable to see what I can learn about this sower. What's the sower doing? So if you go back over to verse number three, <clears throat> it says, and... Uh, we'll read the whole thing here. So, and he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. So he's going out, he's doing this act of sowing. And then verse 4 it says, And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside. And then verse 5, some fell upon stony places. And then you get down to verse 6, uh, sorry, verse 7, uh, some fell among the thorns. And then verse 8, it says, But others, but other fell into the good ground. So, hmm. Sorry, I've had a lot of drainage going on this last week, and I'm thankful that I got put on the schedule to preach tonight, not the other two nights. My, my voice was not holding up well the last couple of nights, but today we're doing a little bit better. All right, so with this, so, uh, this sower, he's going out, he's sowing, and we see the different place that the seed is going. And so I stopped and I started thinking about this. Uh, when we lived in Alabama, everything grew really well, like, all year long. Uh, just about all year long. We actually, it was like almost spring, twice a year, um, I usually said we had two seasons down there in Alabama. We had summer and we had December. And so uh, that, was, that was about it. And so it was, uh, you know, stuff just grew all the time. And so I had a lot of fun with gardening. And we uh, made some raised garden beds in our backyard. And I would, you know, try to carefully prepare the soil and carefully plant my seeds and all type of things like that. And you know, I wanted to make sure that those seeds had the best chance they could to grow. And I started trying to think, you know, with 
my experience with that and kind of how that related to this. And then, like, you know, it's still a little bit different because, you know, in this time, he wouldn't have been, you know, trying to plant in these carefully prepared beds. You know, he would have been trying to sow seed in a field. And so I started thinking about how it would have been back in that time, you know, trying to sow this field. So let's say the, the platform up here is the field. You know, they still would have taken time to prepare their field. You know, we find different times they have the oxen out plowing and different things. They were preparing the field because if you don't, you start throwing the seed on the ground, you're not going to get very much result from that. But they would always take time to prepare their field. And then I was thinking, you know, if he's out there and he's casting that seed because he would just maybe have a, a bag or something, he'd reach in and grab some seed and he would be throwing it out into his field, this prepared lot that he has for his seed. I mean, yes, you might get a little bit going over here by the wayside. That might happen. But the majority of it's going to be going into the good ground. And I come back and I look at the parable and I see the sower, and you know, kind of read it again. It, in verse 4, it says, And when he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, some fell upon the stony places, and some fell among the thorns, but then other fell into good ground. Well, if you have stony places, you know, that means you didn't, you didn't plow that out first. You know, all these thorns, you didn't, you didn't get that out before you started sowing the seed. So it's like, with this guy, it's not like he was grabbing his seed and just casting it out, you know, into his field. It's more like he grabbed his seed and he's just throwing it everywhere. Throwing seed everywhere he goes. Just throwing that seed out there. Then it hit me. The sower here, that's how we need to be with the Word of God. We need to be just throwing it out there everywhere. Throwing it to all people. You know, the Bible says preach the gospel to every creature, not to be picking and choosing and selecting. And, you know, I, I can't be a judge of the hearts of man if somebody's going to be ready to receive it or not. I can't do that. That's not my place. Now, if we're going to be honest about it, we've probably done that to some extent before. And, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't think I need a witness to this person. They're, 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 surely they're not ready to receive the Word of God, or whatever it may be. So there's kind of a, a good illustration of that. There was a time when we were taking the youth group up to camp, and we stopped at a gas station, and we pull up to the gas pump, and there's this big U-Haul truck on the other side of the gas pump. And when I open up my door on the van, I hear the music just blaring really loud from this U-Haul truck. And... You know, not completely unusual to have a situation like that, but this music was extremely unusual. It was, if you can imagine, heavy metal music with bagpipes. <laughs> and so heavy metal with bagpipes, and I was, like, I was just caught off guard by that. I was like, never heard that before. And I was like, all right, whatever. You know, the truck is empty. There was nobody in it. So I get out, and I go, I start pumping my gas, and then as I'm... I'm filling up the van. You know, we have the 15-passenger van with the kids and all that. And so I'm filling up, and then I look, I turn, I look towards the gas station. The door's open, and this mountain of a man comes walking out. I mean, this man would be right at home in this pulpit. I mean, he would make this look small. And so, I mean, just this massive man, and looks 
rough, kind of almost like a... Okay, honestly, he looked like a Viking. That's what he looked like. I mean, the long beard, all the, like, weird symbol tattoos all over everything. You know, it, it, was, it was an interesting thing, and I was like, that looks like a rough dude. And I was like... And I realized he's walking this way. And I realized he's going to the pump right here because he was driving that U-Haul truck. Ooh, he's a, and as he's getting closer, you know, he's just getting bigger and bigger as he gets closer. And like, it was very, I, I was intimidated, all right? I was very intimidated. And it was, so at this point, as intimidated as I was by his outward appearance, I was not in a place where I was thinking in my mind, you know, hey, let's go share the gospel with this man. I'm like thinking, let's, let's hide down over here, right? And, but then... God starts knocking on my heart, like, hey, you need to make sure you share the gospel with this man. And I start, to my shame, this thought literally went through my mind. If I die, my wife can drive the van back home. I had to come to terms with that before I went and talked to this man. And so I did. I had a gospel track. I went and went to talk to this man and try to tell him about Christ. And when I did, I found out why he looked like a Viking, because he was, basically. That was his heritage. And he said he, the God that he believed in was Thor. Literally, that was who he literally believed in was Thor, because that was what had been passed down in his family. And, um, but then he, he said something I didn't expect. He was also going to like some type of Unitarian church that just accepted any kind of belief. And so... He said, you know, I, I believe in Thor, but he's starting to struggle with that. He's saying, you know, I think this Jesus Christ, he might be the true God, because I think he's trying to reach out to me. I was like the third or fourth person in the last week or two that had tried to witness to this man. And so he was very receptive to everything that I was trying to tell him about the gospel, and he was really considering it and taking it to heart. And, you know, I don't know what's happened with that man now. He didn't get saved at that time, but that was an opportunity that I was going to pass up because I was looking on the outward appearance and uh, not just thinking, hey, let's make sure he's getting that word of God out everywhere. You know, Christ died for that man just as much as he did for me. But how often do we let maybe somebody's outward appearance affect whether or not we share the gospel with them? And how often do we let maybe something with ourselves affect whether we share the gospel with somebody? Maybe we feel like, oh, yeah, I'm not in a good place to do that right now. Or, you know, maybe, oh, oh, my hair's a mess. I can't go talk to anybody. I don't have to worry about that too much. You know, but, uh, but, you know, we're, we can just make all these excuses about why, why it's not a good time. All these different things. But then, you know, I look back here at the, the parable of the sower, and, you know, Christ didn't talk much at all about the sower. And I think the reason he wasn't really giving much detail about the sower in his explanation was because it's not about the sower. It's about the seed. It's about the Word of God. It's the Word of God that's going to be working in somebody's heart. It's not you. It's not me. It's the Word of God. And we need to be like Christ said, I believe it's in Mark 4, the sower soweth the Word or the sow with the seed. So that's, that's our part. That's all we need to be focused on, is just making sure we are sowing the seed and doing our part in getting that message out. 
You know, in the Czech Republic, there's one missionary family there as sowing the seed right now. There's two other uh, small churches that are trying to keep going, and there's people there that are trying to do that, but think about it, three different works in a country of over 10 million people. There's not a whole lot of seed being sown. There's, when we were there on our survey trip, we got to talk to, or my wife particularly talked to, a, a young lady named Anna. And uh, my wife asked her, you know, do you, you know, do you believe in God? Just the typical answer is no. And so you know, my wife just asked the question, and she's like, no, it's, it's not really for me. Not, but then she kind of left it open. She said, maybe when I'm older. So that gave more opportunity for more questions. My wife asked, you know, well, when you're older, where could you go for information about God? I want to know, you know what options this girl had. Uh, her first thought was she would go to her grandma. Her grandma was Catholic. So my wife asked if she had any other options. Well, in her town, she had a church over here that she could go to. That was the Catholic church. My wife asked if she had another option. That she could go to the church over here in town, which was the other Catholic church. My wife asked if she had another option. There were no other options in her town. And it's like that in all these small towns all across the Czech Republic. And, you know, when we, we talk about the Catholic Church, you know, there's, there's a lot of issues there, but the, the Catholic Church over there in the Czech Republic, even, even more so than we would have here, uh, the priests are all known for being greedy drunks that look down on the people, so the people want nothing to do with the Catholic Church. We got to talk to a man that was... Well, okay, we talked to a couple different guys. So one guy we talked to, he said he used to go to the Catholic Church, but then he read his Bible, so he stopped because he knew it was wrong. But then he said he had nowhere else to go, so he didn't have any church he was going to. He was wanting a relationship with Christ. There was too much language barrier there for us to really be able to explain that to him, but we tried, you know. Another man that we talked to, he asked, why would Americans want to come to the Czech Republic? It didn't make any sense to him. You know, we want to tell people about Christ and try to start a church. And, and his first response, oh, no, we, we don't need more churches. We have, we have a lot of churches already. Because he thought we were Catholic. If you talk about Christ or a church in Czech Republic, all they know is Catholic. They don't even know that other options exist. So if you say something like that, it's just automatically you're Catholic. Because you're talking about Jesus Christ or the church. And so he's like, oh, we have plenty. So... But he was still talking to us, so we got to explain to him more, you know, no, we're, we're not Catholic, and we talked to him. And then once he realized that, then he really opened up about how he really felt about the Catholic Church and how much his family had been hurt by them. And so the people there, they don't want anything to do with the Catholic Church for the most part. But they don't know of any other options. So they choose atheism. Well, God's laid on our heart to take the Word of God to them and to give them another option, to give them the truth. And we want to go and we want to go sow that seed to those people. But if we're there doing it, who's going to be here doing it? And if God has, you know, and if you watched our video, at the end we ask you a question, you know, well, two questions. One, well, will you pray for us as we go? Number two, who has God called you to take the gospel to? God might not be calling you to take the gospel to somebody in another country. Odds are he's probably not. That means he's calling you to take the gospel to the people that are around you right now. 
And we need to be like this sower and just casting that seed everywhere we go. But even beyond just doing that, we need to be sowing the Word of God into people sitting next to you. It doesn't just stop when somebody gets saved. You know, uh, in, oh, what is it, uh, 1 Corinthians 3, you know, uh, Paul is talking and you got situations, some are saying, I am a Paul and I'm a Paulos. Uh, in verse 5 it says, Who then is Paul and who is Apollos? But ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. You know, it's all, it's all glory to God. And, you know, in this Christian life, we need to continue to receive the word and to grow by the word of God. And we need people to invest the word of God into us to continue to grow. I am so thankful for Pastor Scuffum who did that in my life. You know, he didn't just leave me to the Lord and leave me there. He continued to invest the word of God into my life. You could ask him or my mom. After I got saved, I probably spent more time at his house than my own. And he continued to invest in me. And then, you know, we were away for a while, and then we moved back. And what did he do when we moved back? He continued to invest the word of God in me. And I'm very thankful for that. You know, my wife, she, uh, when she was a teenager, you know, her, her parents were not going to church. She had to take herself to church as a teenager. And she very easily, she'll tell you in her own testimony, she very easily could have been carried away with the things of this world and choked out by all those things. But there was a man in her church that challenged her. That challenged her to study her Bible and to come back and give him answers to these questions. Now that man, he could have made up all kinds of excuses for why he shouldn't, you know. He had a past. His body showed he had a past. You know, there's a big old... Uh, marijuana leaf tattooed on his hand, and you know people might feel self-conscious about those things, and you know, hold back because they're like, "Oh, you know, I don't, I don't look the part." Well, it's about the heart, man. It's about the word of God. It's not about you know, just these outward things that you know we don't have control over anymore. People have a past. I have a past. I don't have marks on my outward body to show it, but we all have a past. But you know, he didn't let that hold him back. He reached out. He challenged the teens in that church. And she wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for that man. Her mom. Uh, one night, uh, her mom's car broke down. And it was before you were born, wasn't it? Before she was born, she was an older sister. Her mom and this uh, older sister of my wife were walking down the street because their car broke down and this car drove up. Asked them if they needed a ride. Uh, her mom said normally she would never get into a car like that, but in this particular case, she did. Man, you know, the car was trashed, smelled like cigarette smoke. It was, it was not a great situation. But he drove her home. The daughter got out, went inside. Because of some conversation they had on the way home, started to witness to her. She got saved that night. Think of the excuses that man could have made. Or, you know, oh, these things aren't right in my life right now. And sure, they weren't. I mean, he could have been doing some things better. But he didn't have these excuses for why he couldn't share the Word of God because it's, it's the Word of God that changes lives. It's not us. Now, we should still want to be a clean vessel fit for the Master's use, yes. 
But wherever we're at, we need to be getting the word of God out to those around us. We need to get it out to those that are lost to see souls saved. We need to get it out to those sitting in the pew next to you to encourage them in the Lord. You know, we don't know what situation someone else might be in. We don't know what encouragement we can be to others. We don't know what the word of God can do in somebody's heart. I know what it did in mine, though. And that's enough for me to want to go out and tell some other people about it. Are you going to tell others, too? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, I come to you this evening, Lord, and I want to thank you for your word. I thank you for those who have invested it in me, dear God, and I pray that you just help me to be faithful in casting your word out to others, O oh God, and I pray for uh, everyone else here tonight, Lord, that you just challenge their hearts to do the same, Father, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Pastor, Go ahead and stand if God's spoken to your heart. My life, my love. Dismiss our missionaries tonight and your guests. So, Brother Scuffum, Brother and Sister Scuffum, you'll go. Uh, we have desserts tonight in the Mexico room and in the islands room. And so, uh, if you do want you to take advantage of that, and uh, I know that that'll be a blessing to you. And we have a birthday today, right, Lucinda? Why don't you come on up here? 
Lucinda has a birthday. Anybody else have a birthday today? Like to come up here and be embarrassed? Anybody? Well, okay. Let's sing happy. How old are you? good to be in the Lord's house tonight. Let's pray. Go uh, have some follow along. Amen. Remember, outreach at 9 and supper at 530. God bless you.